Time to express yourself where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be the Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Until we get equality in education, we won't have equality in society. Sonia Sotomayor. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be the Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. For today's show, Be The Star You Are wants to thank everyone who has volunteered and supported BTSYA over the years. We are thrilled to be serving the world. If you'd like to help us celebrate being a top nonprofit with a donation, please visit www.btsya.org. That's www.btsya.org. Every dollar counts and we will use the funds for our outreach programs. Make sure to listen to Express Yourself wherever you listen to radio or music iTunes, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. We broadcast from the Empowerment Channel on Voice America Radio, the largest radio network in the world. Salutations! I'm Kirthi, your host for today's show. In today's show, we're going to dive into educational inequalities and funding schools. In segment two, we'll have Ethan Zhang talking about how school funding allows students to reach their greatest academic potential. In segment three, we have yet another young grasshopper joining our team. That is a lot of young grasshoppers on this podcast. However, all of this is going to have to wait. All of the exciting stuff, it's going to have to wait. That's right, you'll have to endure yet another excruciatingly boring and annoying segment with me. Salutations! Ah, here we are. We find ourselves in this situation yet again. The sun is shining. The glass is green. Birds are doing whatever it is birds are supposed to be doing. You might ask, what situation are we in? Well, it's a situation in which you're listening to Kirthi yammer on about random subjects, yet none of these subjects fall under the topics of Nerd Extraordinaire. That's right, folks. No Nerd Extraordinaire. Again. Oh, what a woe. Note that I say that those exact same words every single week, yet I never actually revive Nerd Extraordinaire. Sad. Terrible. But, 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 but... There's still hope. We may talk a little about mathematical logic in this segment. Ooh, interesting. In case you don't know, mathematical logic falls under the umbrella of debate. Kind of. And debate definitely fits under the nerd extraordinaire umbrella. Yay! Anyway, back to the hamster wheel of staying on topic. 
Ladies and gentlemen, distinguished guests, and fellow mischief makers, today I stand before you to talk about a subject that's as serious as a pop quiz in algebra class, yet as absurd as a squirrel stealing your lunch on a sunny picnic day. Yes, I'm talking about educational inequalities and the roller coaster of school funding. But fear not, for I promise to make this as entertaining as a comedy show on a rainy day. Now, educational inequalities are a bit like those lopsided seesaws you used to play on as a kid. One, one, on one side, you have schools that are practically palaces with fancy computers, Olympic-sized swimming pools, and a science lab that looks like it's been borrowed from NASA. On the other hand, you've got schools that are on like one rainstorm away from becoming a sponge party because they can't afford a new roof. But what's the deal with school funding, you ask? Well, it's like a magical trick where the rich schools pull rabbits out of their hats while the poor schools are still searching for their hat. It's like giving a Lamborghini to someone who can't afford to put gas in it and a bicycle to someone who needs to travel across the country. It's the kind of math that even Einstein would scratch his head at. But don't get me wrong. We've got to find a solution to this mess because education is the key to unlocking a brighter future. So let's brainstorm some ways ways to fix this educational inequality puzzle, shall we? First, we could organize a bake sale to raise funds for schools. Imagine politicians in aprons baking cookies to support education. I'd pay good money to see that. We could even have a cupcake caucus in Congress. Who wouldn't vote for someone with frosting skills? Second, we can introduce a teacher swap day in which teachers from well-funded schools swap places with teachers from underfunded ones. It's like an educational reality TV show, and I'm sure we'd see some epic fish out of water moments. It'd be hilarious. But in all seriousness, folks, the issue of educational inequality and school funding is no laughing matter. It's an issue that affects the future of our children, us, basically not our children, but our people, and society as a whole. We need to work together to ensure that every single child, regardless of the zip code, has access to a quality education. Let's dive deeper into the intricate world of dividing resources among school districts and how it relates to the fascinating cake cutting problem. Now, why are we talking about cake and unnecessarily making you guys hungry? I don't know. Psst, this is the logic part. Now, Imagine that we're at a birthday party, okay? Just imagine. And instead of one delicious cake, there are several. Some cakes are towering confections, while others are mere cupcakes. In this analogy, each cake represents a school district, and the slices symbolize the resources allocated to them. Our goal is to ensure that everyone gets a fair and equitable share of the cake, just as we aim to distribute educational resources fairly among school districts. This is the cake-cutting mathematical problem that Ariel Prakashia, Harvard scientist and fellow nerd, created. Now, let's explore three approaches to slicing up these metaphorical cakes. Equal slices for all is our first approach. The simplest approach is to divide the cakes into equal slices, ensuring that each school district receives the same amount of resources. While this might seem fair on the surface, it ignores the fact that different districts have varying needs and challenges. It's like giving the same pair of shoes to both a basketball player and a ballet dancer. They have different needs. This is what we call equality versus equity. 
We may give every single member of the party an equal-sized share of cake, but what if Bobby favors small pieces or pieces with chocolate on them? And what if Timmy favors vanilla big pieces? Now, our second way is needs-based allocation, which is equity. This approach takes into account the specific needs of each school district, just as you might give more cake to the guest who loves chocolate and less to the one who prefers vanilla. Schools with more significant challenges, e.g. higher poverty rates or larger student populations, receive more resources. This method promotes fairness by addressing the unique circumstances of each district. Now, our third way is performance-based allocation. Now, similar to how you might award the best dancer with the largest slice of cake, this approach allocates resources based on a district's performance and outcomes. High-performing districts with smart little kids receive more resources to maintain their success, while struggling districts receive additional support to improve. It's a way to incentivize excellence and progress. On the flip side, this may not be good in some cases. Say you live in a really low-performing school district, but pretend that you're wildly academically gifted, and you know so many things, and you pass all of these tests, but everyone around you doesn't. So you end up getting the resources, like, allocated, as if you guys are all really dumb kids. But you're not a dumb kid. So you're not getting, you're not getting a challenge. Everything's too easy for you. So... This might this doesn't take into needs take into account all the needs of every single student of the school, which is why this may not be the best way. Now you might be thinking, but the cake cutting problem doesn't have an easy solution. That's true. It's a complex mathematical problem. Similarly, dividing resources among school districts is a challenging task, as we must balance equity and efficiency. One way to approach this issue is to combine these methods. We can start with the baseline of equitable distribution and then adjust it based on needs and performance. It's, a, it's like cutting a cake into equal pieces and then adding or subtracting slices as necessary to account for individual preferences and dietary restrictions. Ariel Prakashia's research delves into the complexities of cake cutting, particularly the envy-free division problem. In the world of cake cutting, envy-freeness means that every person receiving a slice believes that they are getting at least much as, as much case cake as anyone else gets it. This concept can be applied to a resource allocation among school districts. Imagine each school district as a person in the cake cutting scenario, and the resources as the cake. To achieve envy-free allocation, we must ensure that no district envies the resources received by another. This approach resonates with the idea of equity in school funding. Pocasia's book emphasizes not only finding fair allocations, but also ensuring that they are easily implementable and doable in real-world situations. In the context of educational resource allocation, this means that any method we should use should not only be fair, but also practical to implement administratively manageable. Big words. <laughs> so, when we discuss dividing resources among school districts, we can draw inspiration from Procrastia's research to seek solutions that are not just mathematically fair, but also logistically feasible, helping us create a more equitable and efficient educational system.
In the end, the key is to find a balanced approach that ensures educational resources are allocated fairly, taking into consideration the unique circumstances and needs of every school district. Just as in cake cutting, there's no one-size-fits-all solution. We must engage in thoughtful discussions, gather data, and work collaboratively to ensure that every child has access to the quality education they deserve. Let's keep our minds as sharp as a cake knife and our hearts as generous as birthday party hosts as we tackle the challenges of dividing resources among school districts and strive for a more equitable educational system. I'm having a stroke right now. I can't talk. So, just to end the segment, let's put on our thinking caps, not our funny hats, and find creative, effective ways to level the playing field. After all, as Dr. Seuss said, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. And as you can tell if you listened to the show before this, I really like that quote. Thank you, and let's turn the laughter into action and make our schools better for all. Now, that was my wonderful segment. I hope you guys enjoyed it. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this segment. Make sure you stay tuned for our next segment where we'll dive into more educational inequalities with Ethan Zhang. We want to hear your thoughts and we want to answer your questions. So email us at info at bethestoryouare.org. That's info at bethestoryouare.org. Check out our radio site at www.expressyourselfteenradio.com and our creative community site at www.bethestoryouare.org. You can get involved with the Be The Story World charity, buy books and t-shirts in our store, sign up for our free newsletter, and make a donation to Be The Story World. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The positive message outreach program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Show the world your smile. Be the star you are. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, teens talk and the world listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to share success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Hear about personal growth, building a better business, inspirational life stories, and personal branding. You'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed.
You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to segment two of our radio show. I'm your host, Kuthi. Today's show is all about educational inequality. Right now, we have our guest, Ethan Zang. Ethan Zang, a senior at Colmount High School, confronts educational inequities by addressing school funding disparities. His mission is to ensure equal opportunities for every single student, empowering them to reach their full potential. Ethan advocates for better resources, qualified teachers, and preserving extracurricular activities. Through engaging in collaborative efforts, conducting public outreach, and offering a free math tutoring service, he strives to create a fair and inclusive learning environment. Ethan strives to inspire others to join his cause and together leave an indelible mark on the community, transforming education for a brighter future. Tackling educational inequities requires addressing school funding disparities to ensure every student has an equal opportunity to unlock the full academic potential. Disadvantaged schools suffer from insufficient resources, leading to overcrowded classrooms and limited access to modern tools. With fewer funds to hire qualified teachers, students receive less personalized instruction, which is crucial for nurturing their unique talents. Embracing equitable education empowers students for a brighter future. Welcome to the show, Ethan. Hi. So I know that you're here to talk about educational inequities and inequalities with us. So what exactly inspired you to delve into this topic? Yeah, so basically, you know, ever from a young age, I've noticed um, these educational inequities um, all throughout my life. For example, especially with uh, one of my family friends, one of their sons, Alan, Um, he was just really bright, young student, and uh, I've known him for all throughout his life, ever since he was born. And this student, he would always, he would always be really excited about, um, learning new things and really his like insatiable curiosity compelled him to become a really great student. However, I noticed as he transitioned into middle school where he entered this school um, that is known to be a little less funded than others, he started or we started to see a great drop uh, in his academic performance. And so really wanting to get to the root of this, I kind of sat, basically just sat down with Alan and just kind of started talking to him about his classes and how I was doing. And he basically just told me about how nowadays in his classrooms, you know, there are just so many students that he doesn't really have enough time and doesn't have, isn't given the opportunity to ask some questions that he may need for additional support. And this has often caused him to struggle a lot more in class, especially now since the curriculum is getting harder as he's transitioning into middle school and so yeah really this apparent notice of under not under qualified teachers but um this lack of qualified teachers that really leads students to not be given the proper opportunity to um have sufficient personalized support in order to succeed so yeah this really motivated me to do additional research into this field and really learn more about what it is that 
help students excel in school. That's so amazing that you're so passionate about a cause like this to improve our community. So how does the disparity in school funding impact the quality of education received by students in different communities? Yeah, so there are a variety of reasons why um, school funding may impact the quality of education. Uh, for example, um, inequitable resource allocation and lack of resources in general. So one of the main things that people might bring up is without sufficient funding, people uh, schools won't be able to support support um, enough school materials. However, it actually goes beyond this as school funding, which is primarily sourced from local taxes, uh, meaning that low income communities having to pay having to pay less taxes, they'll receive less school funding as a result. And so in these low income communities with less school funding, they'll also receive often less qualified teachers, a lack of extracurricular programs, and um, often insufficient resources for students to succeed. And there are many consequences to this. For example, as I mentioned specifically Allen, especially if there aren't enough teachers and there are overcrowded classrooms, students aren't given the personalized support that they need. And also extracurricular programs, they're often forgotten about, but they're very crucial to the holistic development of students as they, whatever it may be, either be sports, either be music, instruments, or even clubs, they foster teamwork, creativity, uh, athletic fitness, and these often are crucial aspects of a developing child. Wow, you really know your stuff. So when you were researching how school funding affects education, what factors did you consider? So yeah, I actually wrote um, a research paper about this and the two prime factors that I was researching about were uh, free, uh, sorry, were percentage of students eligible for free or reduced price meals and also school funding per student. So first, uh, eligibility, percent of students eligible for free or reduced price meals. It's a very good indicator of socioeconomic status as eligibility is determined primarily by income level. And so students who are students who live in communities with um, lower income individuals often will have higher eligibility for uh, free or reduced price meals. And for my second factor that I was analyzing was um, high school funding for individuals. And this is pretty evident why I chose this because school funding directly impacts that and schools with more funding will allow students to receive more funding. So you were talking about school funding. So is school funding the only factor that affects education or are there other factors involved? Yeah, so basically school funding is not actually the uh, only uh, thing that will affect education for students. As I mentioned before, extracurricular programs are essential in the role of development of students and as they provide them opportunities for social interaction, teamwork, creativity, and personal growth. However, additionally, outside of schools, parental support, uh, parental engagement in school activities, and parental communication with teachers are also consistently linked to improved academic performance. So there are a variety of reasons. However, I chose to mainly focus on school funding as my primary factor when analyzing how it affects education. 
that is actually really interesting. Like, I love how you dedicate and research and spend so much of your time doing something like this because you know normally teens don't do that and it kind of encourages our listeners out the teens who are listening to us talk right now encouraging them that like no matter how young they are they can change the world they can do stuff like this so in your research have you ever found any successful initiatives or policies that have effectively addressed the issue of school funding disparities um, yeah, so basically, first, we must guarantee equal access to education. And obviously, this is this would be very hard to implement. However, through um, small steps through uh, public policy, it's actually um, able to be implemented. And basically, this necessitates adequate resources, facilities, qualified teachers in public schools situated in low income areas, especially. And also, additionally, early childhood education programs and remedial classes can also help bridge educa the educational gap for disadvantaged students. And finally, expanding financial aid and scholarships for deserving students from low-income families can provide a vital stepping stone toward higher education. That is, I definitely agree. I 100% agree with that. That those, it's like such an intricate process, like making sure that everyone gets what they need. So what am I talking about inequities like i've kind of used the term inequalities and inequities interchangeably so like what do you think about like equality versus equity could you like tell listeners what it means to divide all of your resources equally for school districts versus like giving them what they need equity yeah so basically um some like a good example of equality versus equity is I was told this before by one of my teachers. It's basically if um uh for example if three students of different heights were trying to reach like I guess that's like apples from an apple tree and one is shorter, one is medium height and one is of taller height. And if they're all given uh, for example, stools that are in accordance to their height and um, will give them an equal chance at uh, receiving an apple or obtaining an apple. For example, the short student would receive a taller stool and the medium height student would receive a medium stool and the, uh, the tallest student would receive a shorter stool. If their like end heights are basically the same heights and they have the same chance at reaching an apple or an obtaining apple, then that's considered as equality. However, um, what I tend to consider equity as is basically, um, it's more or less providing them with the same opportunities. So not necessarily providing them with this, uh, with varying stool heights, it's instead providing them with the same stool heights. So although some are going to be disadvantaged, they're still given the same opportunities and uh, the same positions to achieve what they want. That is such a good analogy. I never thought of it in that way. It's kind of like giving what giving everyone the same thing versus giving everyone what they need. That is so cool. So when we're talking about unequal school funding, what are the ethical implications and its potential effects on societal inequality and social mobility? 
The ethical implications of unequal school funding are significant as they involve issues of fairness, discrimination, and additionally, social mobility. Unequal funding can, uh, for example, deny students in underfunded school schools equal opportunities, perpetuate socioeconomic disparities, and also hinder upward mobility. And basically, this all just raises questions about the government's responsibility to provide a just and equitable education system. And addressing these ethical concerns often requires policy changes and increased funding to promote fairness and equal opportunity in education. And especially now when there's a broader range and a greater gap between um, those of lower income and those of higher income, it's especially important to start putting more efforts into these fights for more equitable education for all. Definitely. I definitely agree that in order to have a student reach the full academic potential, you need to give them the resources that they need and have equal school funding. So as a closing kind of last question, how can communities and individuals outside the education system contribute like people like us to raising awareness and advocating for more equitable school funding? There are actually so many ways that individuals can contribute um, toward raising awareness and advocating for more equitable school funding. And even for individuals like us, uh, we can contribute to raising awareness uh, by engaging activities such as supporting local advocacy groups for equitable education, uh, attending public meetings with elected officials, participating in public awareness campaigns, and finally, educating themselves and their communities about the importance of equitable funding. And additionally, they can also support ballot initiatives related to education funding, collaborate with local schools to identify needs, and leverage social media and local media outlets to spread the message. In doing so, anyone like me or you or anyone out there can play an active role in promoting fairness and equitable opportunities and education for those who deserve that right. Definitely. That is so awesome. And thank you so much for being on our show today. This was so great. Be sure to join, like like Ethan said, go to public conferences, try to be involved as much as you can to help our schools be equal and help our students reach their greatest academic potential. Make sure to check out our radio site at www.expressyourselfteenradio.com. And also, Ethan, do you have like a website or anything you, you'd like to promote, a social media account? Um, I don't actually. Okay, that's totally fine. But be sure to ha- to engage in as much civic participation as you can. And as usual, make sure to check out our radio site, buy books and t-shirts in our store, and make a donation to BTSYA at www.bethestarur.org. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. Show the world your smile. Be the star you are. 
If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Hello and welcome back to Express Yourself. I'm your host, Kuthi. Right now, we have our newest reporter, Lori Cox. He is a sophomore in high school who enjoys playing basketball and has a deep love for all types of music. Lori's other interests include science, reading, video games, sports, medicine, and cooking shows, along with watching any sort of show involving superpowers. He has grown to have a passion for reporting over the past few years, and he is not opposed to discussing any topic that comes to mind. Lori is grateful to have the opportunity to reach out to all of you listeners and is looking forward to making an impact on the airways. His segment is called The Breakdown. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Hi, my name is Rory, and I'm going to be doing a new segment called The Breakdown, where I basically talk about important issues affecting young people in the world today. I'm excited to be a part of the Express Yourself Teen Radio team on behalf of the Be The Star You Are charity. Today, uh, I'm going to be talking about CTE and contact sports. And before I get started, I just want to say um, happy birthday to the sound engineer, Jordan. Uh, yeah. But without further ado, uh, shall I get started? Yeah. Okay. So basically, CTE, which stands for Chronic Traumatic Encephalopathy. I know it's quite a mouthful. It's a lot to say is basically a type of dementia that comes from receiving hits to the head continuously over the course of your life. Because the cause of CTE comes from being hit in the head repeatedly, people who play contact sports often receive, often have a higher risk of developing CTE in their brains. And some of these sports include football, boxing, lacrosse, soccer, hockey, and wrestling. 
CTE can lead to various life-altering symptoms such as uncontrollable rage, depression, migraines, trouble concentrating, impulsivity, dizziness, confusion, and a whole lot more. It is essentially like living with a permanent concussion. Being hit in the head over and over again causes this form of dementia because of the alteration of something called tau proteins. Tau proteins work in our brain to stabilize the nerves in our brain. Without them working properly, we would not be able to function. CTE is the result of these tau proteins malfunctioning after your brain bounces around, hitting your skull over and over. Those who play contact sports see their chances of getting CTE spike as they continue to play. People who are affected by CTE can have severe memory loss and lose their ability to speak properly and make logical decisions. People with CTE can experience double vision, hallucination, and even start to hear things that are not there. It is imperative that young athletes and their families are aware of the risks of CTE before committing to play contact sports. Wow, this is so informative. So we know that you're an athlete and you love sports. So have you ever experienced a concussion or any type of head injury that gives you this experience? Um, yes, actually. Back in the fifth grade, I um, was playing basketball during recess outside. And even though that's not a contact sport, I still went up to grab a rebound, which is basically where you jump in the air to get the ball. And midair, I collided with somebody and then I fell on the floor and hit my head. And I was lucky. It was a minor concussion. But having that experience and knowing what it feels like, it's really rough as an athlete to go through that because you feel so stuck. You feel like, you know, you can't move your body. You feel like you're just kind of grounded and everything hurts. And it's, it's not a fun experience to go through. So to have to deal with that feeling for life after playing years of contact sports and getting injured anyway, is something that is caused by CTE and is very harmful. That does not sound good. I am very sorry. So back to the topic of CTE. Why is it so important for young people who are interested in playing contact sports, as well as for parents to be fully educated about the risks of CTE when making the decision to participate in these types of sports? Oh my God, thank you for bringing that up. There are so many reasons why it is incredibly important for these young athletes who want to play contact sports, as well as their families, to know all there is to know about CTE. The main reason why spreading knowledge about CTE to these families is important is because of the health concerns revolving around CTE, because it is really such a serious health issue. CTE, like many other neurological diseases, had not been discovered up until recently. And basically, it hasn't even been researched until even more recently. Like, if I were to give you a time, I'd have to say it hasn't been thoroughly researched or undergone that research up until maybe even 10 years ago and even now we do not know that much but however what we do know is very scary i mean young athletes shouldn't completely stop playing contact sports as you know as i said before i'm an athlete who enjoys watching football and playing basketball myself but it is important for these families to know what could possibly happen to their child if they do participate in contact sports the longer a child plays contact sports the more at risk they are of getting seriously hurt in general and that especially applies to your brain i mean cte can be contracted even from just playing amateur sports you don't have to be a professional to get it um 
the National Institutes of Health has looked into CTE in relation to young athletes. And honestly, in the long run, these children can lose their brain function and new negative emotional patterns can appear out of nowhere. These kids can become more apathetic, have irregular impulsivity, and they can slowly lose their ability to make adult-like decision-making skills. And again, according to the NIH, the thing that is for certain is that CTE is something that starts developing early. As soon as you start contact sports, your countdown begins, and you can really only hope that CTE won't come knocking at the door seven to 40 years into the future. Yeah, CTE sounds like really scary, especially anything that happens to the head, that goes into your brain. It can like really change your life. So what is the biggest challenge when it comes to properly educating people about the prevention, diagnosis, and treatment of CTE? I'd say, unfortunately, the biggest challenge when it comes to educating anybody about the diagnosis process and prevention and treatment of CTE is the fact that CTE can't be objectively and definitively diagnosed until after death during an autopsy of the brain. Basically, athletes can be diagnosed with concussions and can exhibit symptoms of CTE, which were discussed before, such as memory loss and impulsivity, like severe mental illness, difficulty concentrating and aggression during a clinical examination done by their personal doctor or their team doctor. But the issue is, is that this isn't consistent because some of those uh, symptoms, they can go away after a couple of months of resting and healing. And then years later, they can come back without any warning signs. And then they can come back even worse than they were before. And then also the thing is with C CTE and other neurological diseases, even just as something as simple as concussion, the symptoms are generally identical. So it is almost impossible to tell the difference from just a clinical examination, who has what. And even in non-contact sports, you can see evidence of people not being sure whether they have a concussion or not. Because Anthony Rizzo, who was a New York Yankee, collided with Fernando Tatis Jr. at first place during a Major League Baseball game in May. And although he didn't really feel like himself, he wasn't actually diagnosed with a concussion until August. And this is what I mean. Like he got hit in May and they didn't realize what was going on with him until August. And then he was put on the concussion protocol as normal. And he has been subsequently out for the rest of the season. But as I said before, it's not always obvious that someone has suffered a concussion, let alone have CTE. And if you do feel off and you know you've hit your head and you are an athlete that plays contact sports, please reach out to a medical health provider near you to get evaluated because the key to preventing something as scary as CTE is properly recovering and it'll just help make sure you don't experience anything worse down the line. Yeah, and the scary part of it is that like these symptoms are so general, they could be anything else. But then when you can only diagnose it when you die and they cut you open and take your brain out, which obviously you can't do it while you're alive. Yeah. So what exactly can be done to ensure that young athletes and their families are adequately educated about CTE? Okay, well, we can be doing a lot more as a society in order to make sure that these kids get the proper help that they need, or at least the proper education that they need, along with their parents or their guardian or whoever's looking after them. Um, I mean, the CDC basically did 
a quiz or if that's what you want to call it they did a questionnaire uh the fancy term um they handed it out to these young athletes parents who knew that their childs were doing uh contact sports and their children were very happy to be doing contact sports and they asked them how much they knew about CTE and where they were getting their information from most parents basically said they felt comfortable getting their information from a healthcare provider rightfully so and most of them said they really hadn't gotten the information they needed from their child's school and athletic program. I think we need to take an all-hands-on-deck approach, have the whole community get involved so that these parents and these children can make the proper decisions and informed decisions together when it comes to playing contact sports and understanding the signs and the symptoms of a concussion and what to do in order to properly treat these symptoms. Pediatricians often talk to young adults about the dangers of smoking, vaping, unprotected sex, anything that you could think of that you would have a talk with about a with a teenager at like, you know, your yearly checkup. If that doctor is made aware that that child that they are seeing plays contact sports, I think the American Academy of Pediatrics should make it that during a visit, it is imperative that these pediatricians have a talk about CTE with athletes and make sure that the young athletes and their parents know about what it is that CTE does, how it works, what it causes. And then I also think that the coaches themselves should be trained to be able to educate these kids um, about CTE and maybe host a practice or like a session in instead of practice to talk about CTE and have the kids understand that this is very real. And even though it's scary, is it worth it for you personally to stop playing the sport that you love? I definitely think that principals or administrators should be enforcing this too, because some coaches might try to backdoor it and not talk about it as much to not scare the kids off from playing. So I definitely think that it's important for somebody to be holding these people responsible for what they should do for their jobs um and if you are one of these kids that does play contact sports i definitely think that watching the movie called the concussion by will smith um is important because it basically shows the doctor who discovered cte and it shows the livelihoods of these people who contracted CTE and were later found to have CTE and it just puts everything into perspective of what could be not what I'm saying necessarily will be but what could be if you continue to play contact sports definitely like this segment was so informative and I feel like that's such a clever way to address today's show's topic, like how we can make our schools better. And we need to warn our kids, like these young athletes, about the risks that they are taking, but also not deter them from doing what they love. We are so happy to have you on this show. And once again, welcome to the show. But unfortunately, this segment, we're out of time for it. As always, we express our gratitude to Star Star Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment crew, especially our audio engineer, Jordan, who's celebrating his birthday today. Happy birthday, Jordan. Thanks to all our guests from across the world, and a huge thank you to our listeners for making us a top-rated program. 
For more information about Be The Story Oil Charity, visit www.bethestoryoil.org. Find us on Instagram at Express Yourself Radio. Everyone deserves an adequate education and school policies that keep everyone safe, regardless of the zip code. Always remember to speak out, speak up, and most importantly, express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself.